Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast, the first of the season. Um, in some ways, it doesn't feel like the last season really ever ended with the Marathi Vars played here on Sani and Soil once again, then the Island Games and GFC's campaign already underway. Um, we've got lots to get into on this Prio Preview Plus. Um, we'll have some Rawlinson Cup reflections with upsets galore in the traditional pre-season tournament. Um, we'll run through this year's title contenders and hear from representatives from the team's expected to be battling it out at the top. We'll also assess who might come out as the best of the rest. Um, we'll hear what shape the women's game will take this year with the World Cup wave to ride and the prospect of the newly formed GFC women's side playing their first matches. And if that wasn't enough, we'll get a jersey perspective as well as our top sides look to close the gap in inter-island competition. Um, to do all that, uh, I'm Tony Kerr and I'm joined by Jim Faller. Hi, Tony. And Harry Jones. Hello, Tony. Uh, great to see you both. Uh, here we go again. I mean, uh, I say here we go again. The football has already started, hasn't it, in some regards. Um, but uh, yeah, it really kicks off uh, in a big way in the next week or two. Um, we've had, of course, the Rawlinson Cup and we're recording this before the final. Uh, Harry, you're in the final, but I think you're not <laughs> going to be here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, beat Range in the semi the other day. And um, yeah, I put my flight a little while back, so didn't know the dates coincided. Obviously, didn't know it would be in the final, so unfortunately missing it. As is about you know ten other Vale Rep players. <laughs> Serious vote of confidence in your uh, teammates and coach there, Harry. I'm not, saying, yeah, I'm not saying we can't win it now, though. <laughs> um, yeah, that Rawlinson Cup final, um, Saints against Wreck, uh, coming up on Friday night. Uh, Jim, I don't know how much of it you've seen, um, but we have seen quite a lot of upsets, haven't we? Rockane Pirates getting to the semis. We've seen a, a big win for Rangers. Uh, is it as open uh, as it seems? Well, we came very close to four upsets, didn't we, in the, in the four quarterfinals? So uh, I think what people have taken initially from, from what they've seen so far is that the whole league might be a bit of a tighter affair this year. Last year was very much a top four and a bottom four. Uh, this year could be a little bit uh, could be a little bit different. So it's um, you know interesting, uh, intriguing time, and I'm sure that uh, as we go through the through the clubs, that will uh, uh, identify itself. Yeah, well, I've organised our preview as a top four and bottom four, so I might have to rip up that one already. Yeah, we'll go club by club, Harry. Um, but just in terms of what you've seen at the Rollinson, I think you've seen quite a few of the games. Um, what about individuals have stood out so far? Who could have a, a big say, perhaps, in it is looking in good shape this season. Uh, oh, that's a good. That's a good question. Yeah, <laughs> as you say, I've seen quite a few games. Um, from a Vale Rep perspective, I've got to highlight Marlon Jardim. Uh, someone Romans has spoken about quite uh quite a little bit recently as well about how he's you know finding his form again. He's back in shape. He looks like he's sharp again. Scored a couple goals. Uh, so he's been really promising so far. A couple of youngsters from Saints. Uh, ben Solway at the back. He actually went into attacking midfield second half last night, which I thought was quite unusual. But he's been uh, good so far. Saved Saints in a massive way against Bells. Uh, yeah, there's been quite a few. So Rio Bowditch, our front for Saints, I think has looked uh, quite sharp as so well. He's someone who's very much coming into his own. Uh, Rangers, I think Harry Tester at the back's quite impressed me. Uh, Jack Coven on the wing against North, I thought he had a really strong game. Uh, trying to think who else is um, trying to think who else I've seen that's that's impressed. I thought uh, Mark McGraw and Brad Foss looked like a really good duo up front for Bells against St Martin's caused them a lot of issues. Um, Bells so close to getting over the line as as James said, so close to four upsets, and yeah, they caused them a lot of problems. Robbie Williams too for Bells, so they looked dangerous going forwards. So, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of decent football played so far. As you said, really close 
games, nearly four upsets. Um, yeah, it looks like it's going to be very tightly contested if you can read too much into the Rawlinson games so far. Well, let's have a look at the teams that um, finished um, in the top half of the FNB Premier League last season, starting with the defending champions, Rovers, as a Portsmouth Ultra. Jim, what's the feeling down on the West Coast? Well, I mean, very strong squad. Uh, you know, I don't think they've lost anybody, uh, gained Robbie Leg over over the summer, um, new goalkeeper as uh, support for Adam Bullock in the form of Reese LeBrun. Uh, so, you know, Rovers are there to, uh, there to be shot at. I and mean, I'm sure that they will probably be most people's favourites. Um, you know, the, as I say, the squad depth is, is really impressive. Uh, once again, you know, the only potential Achilles heel for them might be uh, goals. Um, and so w- we shall see. I mean, yeah, they had a, uh, yeah, they've certainly had the strongest match day 11 out or match, sorry, match day 18 uh, compared to all the other clubs in, in the Rawlinson, but they were just uh, rocked by Vale Rec in, in that game who, um, you yeah, know, set up very, very cleverly, caught them on the break, gave them a bloody nose and then uh, kind of hung on. I mean, Rovers came back, you know, they are incredibly strong um but i don't think it's uh it's an absolute uh cakewalk for them to think that they're going to win the prayer yeah rawlinson winners last year will it worry them that they've not had those extra couple of games this time around i think they'll be disappointed about it particularly as uh mark romero told me after the uh first game that he didn't really, <laughs> he wasn't really that fussed about winning that court final <laughs> given the amount of injuries in his squad and rovers certainly would have welcomed one if not if not two more games, but in part because of the size of their squad to give people uh, match minutes. So um, so they have been a little bit hamstrung by that, but I'm sure that they will recover. Well, champions last year, as I say, are looking to repeat that feat this time around. Uh, let's hear what their coach, Kevin Gillies, had to say. I've been speaking to him. I think we're in good shape. Obviously, the uh, the Rawlinson didn't go, didn't go as well as it could have. But, um, you know, we've been back training. And we're all just looking forward to sort of get going again now. Obviously, it's a different different scenario coming in as champions, whereas previous seasons, you know, we've been sort of, you know, clawing away and sort of get, getting as close as we could. And now it's a different mindset, a different challenge. You know, everyone's after us now. So it's uh, it's how we react to that and how the players sort of cope with that bit that bit of pressure. Yeah. So, yeah. And you've got one of the bigger squads, I think. Um, it's fair to say. Would you have liked those extra Rawlinson games just to get everyone kind of out on a pitch and having a run out? Yeah, I would have. Yeah, we've we've always liked the Rawlinson just as our sort of pre-season fixtures. So uh, it would have been nice, but we've, we're doing a friendly tonight, just an, in, an in-house one. And then we've got the, the luxury of the Martinet this, this season in, in, uh, Tuesday, on Tuesday. So we'll use that again as, as minutes in the leg and hopefully... Come the second, we'll uh, we'll be ready to go. Yeah, brill. And without giving too much away, I mean, in terms of your sort of strongest eleven, will it will it change much from last season, or um, are you kind of sort of as you were? No, I don't think so. I think the basis will still be the same. Obviously, we're without Toby this season and Finn Whitmore, so that's two big losses, you know, at either end of the pitch. And we've got to find ways of filling that. But you know, uh, we've had Ben Latok back from his travelling, so that's given us a good option, and. Um, Obviously, signed Robbie Leg as well, and a couple of others, Zach Maston and Pipe, and uh, Lee McCormack from from the Ordinary Nomads. And yeah, so the, the squad's looking strong, but I don't think there's going to be wholesale changes. You know, hopefully we won't have to. You know, because that means we're not doing the right thing. So, you know, we're just going to uh, carry on playing the way we want to play, and 
and hopefully we can have a successful season again. Yeah, and how do you see the league shaping up? I guess it's maybe quite unpredictable this time around, a bit of change around the place and sort of teams coming in and teams perhaps sort of fading away slightly from where they've been the last couple of years? Yeah, I think it's going to be hard to judge until each sort of team's played each other once and then you'll get the feel for it. But it's the same as every season, you know, there's always a surprise. There'll always be a surprise team that doesn't do as well and one that, that, that sort of over over exceeds. So... We're just hoping it's not going to be us that the surprise team is, and we uh, we just continue what we're doing. That's you know we we try and focus on ourselves more than more than worrying about other teams. I think if you if you start worrying about other teams, you get you get too involved with it, and just keep on trying to keep your players happy and enjoying their football. You'll be a lot more successful. Yeah, and I suppose you'll have uh, you know obviously the focus on on domestic Guernsey football first of all, but kind of given the way things ended last season uh, in terms of like the inter-island competitions, um, have you thought about how you might close the gap slightly on on the the best jersey sides? We would love to, you know that's that's always the plan. Um, actually, doing it is not is is a, is a different matter, but that's that's you know that's up to us as a club to uh, to try and kick on and and bridge that gap. I mean, St Peter last season we just. You know, they, they they were just that bit too good, I think, for everyone in Jersey and and Guernsey. You know, you could see that they were the elite team, but um, yeah, like I said, it's up to us to try and to try and bridge that gap. And I think the only way to do it is to you know keep people keep people enjoying their football and wanting to wanting to challenge. And you know, hopefully that next step will come. And we're, we're working on it all the time. So hopefully the players take it on board. And you know, at the end of the day, it's. It's as, it's as much up to them as it is to us as coaches to, you know, to sort of take it by the scruff of the neck and, and push on with it. So hopefully in the change room that this is it's a strong group and, and they want what the same as what we want out of it. And obviously off the back of the Island Games, the Marathi, which didn't go our way yeah. uh, this year, I mean, does it feel like the sort of start in a way of a, a new sort of cycle for Guernsey football? I mean, have you got any views on on how as, as a sport locally uh, we sort of move forward from those disappointments? I have, yeah. I don't know if I've got time to go into <laughs> it. Um, I'm not quite as cynical as some of us, to be honest. You know, I don't think I don't think it's as drastic as what people say. Um, you know, it's not like the clubs aren't doing anything. You know, you've you've got to you've got to remember the clubs. It's not just a a, a Prio Eleven team. You know, we've got the whole spectrum, the whole the whole age groups all the way through, and um, trying to find ways of improving everyone. And uh, so, it's certainly not comfortable. That's what I will say. You know, we're all trying, we're all trying to push on. But at the moment, I think Jersey have just got slightly. You know, just just that generation of slightly better players that we that we were lucky to have a few years ago. So. I'm not concerned really. I think things will even out as 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 time goes on. But certainly from us, we're doing all we can. I know all the other clubs are doing all they can. It's not like you know, not like we want to be losing these games. It's just it's just the way it is at the moment. But you know, you take all the you take a certain group of players out of the league, and it does get you know it it, it filters down. So we just got to start building again. Like I said, but it's it's from it's from sort of lower as well you know and trying to get everything right it's not easy but it's certainly not as bad as what some people are, are making it out to be uh, in my in my that's my view well anyway. perhaps one to come back to you later on in the season and just finally for you kev as a coach obviously you've been in post at rovers now for for a couple of years um you're kind of building up a nice bank of experience do, yeah. do you feel like you're kind of growing as in confidence as a coach uh down at Portsmouth? yeah yeah definitely i think each year yeah, this is my fourth season now in the pre-o so each year it sort of feels more and more normal 
Um, you know, the first season or two was sort of finding your feet and trying to get to know, you know, best ways for pre-season, best ways to approach games. And and uh, now it's all about, you know, consistency. I mean, you just want to get, if you can get things consistent, get a good group, get people enjoying it, which is the main thing for us. You know, I think we, we always, that's our biggest thing down at Rovers. If we can get players on the pitch, they want to be enjoying it. You know, it's, it's different to your normal sort of Monday to Friday at work and at home. If you can come down on a Saturday and, you know, with your mates and enjoy winning the game of football, getting three points and, you know, having a beer maybe in the clubhouse after, that's that's what it's all about for us, you know. And so that I think that's the most important thing for us as a club is just finding a bit of football for everyone. <laughs> Kev Giddies speaking to me there. Uh, any thoughts on Rovers, Harry? Uh, have you got them down as favourites? Uh, yeah, I think it probably still, I think you probably still have to say Rovers are going to be you know, the team to beat, reigning champions, really strong squad. Basically everything everything James has said, I do agree with them. Yeah, so much strength and depth, though, even when they're missing a few players, they've still got so much quality, which I think quite a few of the other teams uh, might lack in comparison to them. Um, but yeah, as well, I think, I think goals will definitely be something they've got to think about because Finn Whitmore, you know, such a big part of their team. When they were at full throttle last year, Finn Whitmore scoring so many goals. He's such an effective player and such an effective part of, you know, the way that they play football. There's definitely more than enough talent in that squad to score loads of goals. You know, Sammy Hall, Max Simpson, Cohen, Martin Savadon, and, you know, more. There's there's goal scorers there, Robbie Legg now as well, but they just need to find the way of putting it all together and finding the new way to be able to be as effective as they were with Finn. But, I mean, the talent is absolutely there. And, yeah, they're going to be a real force once again, I'm sure of it. Yeah, they finished four points clear last season of North in the end. Um, it wasn't quite the kind of blockbuster finale that we were, well, that was shaping up to be at one point. Um, but, yeah, sort of getting there really with something to spare. Um, in terms of North, Jim, uh, aside probably in the last couple of years or sort of since the pandemic, I guess, that has been most affected by GFC. We've sort of spoken about that before. Yeah. What's your expectation this year? North, a uh, little bit in transition as well, aren't they, I'd say, at the moment. I mean, I think so much depends on what happens up front for them. As it, will Owen Warbridge be around all season or will he uh, get a chance for GFC? Is Sam Murray going to play for North or GFC? Uh, when is Carl Smith going to be back fit? So, yeah, those are key issues. Yeah, North are never, ever a pushover. You know, a solid, uh, solid side midfield and uh, and defence. But you know, again, I suppose any if there's an, a, any a potential Achilles heel, it might be um, might be up front. Yeah, and suffered a, a shock defeat uh, against Rangers in the Rawlinson. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, Rangers are a much improved side. I'm sure we'll talk quite a bit about them later. But yeah, really thought, really thought Northwood. Uh, be strong in that game because they had such a strong squad you know the likes of Brandon Wallace on the bench George McNeiler on the bench Ben Bullock was on the bench too but he didn't come on in that game but he's a big signing for North um, yeah they seem to just be lacking lacking firepower a little bit maybe lacking a little bit of a cutting edge Rangers set out well at the back and yeah North didn't really have an abundance of clear cut chance if I'm honest in that game and Rangers probably were quite well worthy winners in the end even though you know maybe the other end they didn't have that much themselves but yeah they never really looked like being broken down or they didn't on too many occasions anyway so I mean, a bit like Rovers, but maybe, you know, even more important, they need, they really need to find a way to score goals, especially with the uncertainty over the likes of um, Kyle Smith and, you know, Owen Woolbridge, if he's going to be playing that much. Brandon Wallace, will he play much for North? It'd be interesting to see, because if those, you know, if those sort of players do feature for them quite a bit, I don't think we'll be having this conversation. I think they'll be fitting far in and be one of the strongest teams in the league like they always are. But um, 
Yeah, they need to find a cutting edge by the time the season starts and really gets going. Otherwise, they will struggle to score goals. Yeah, they've got Liam Mann sort of back and seemingly committed to them rather than GFC um, this season. Um, so, you know, on paper, if you if you sort of jotted down uh, a full strength north side, w- would they have the edge over Rovers? Hard, hard to say. Um, certainly in terms of squad depth, no, as I think was was proved last year for for North. But I mean, North Rovers last year gave us one bore draw and two uh, absolute humdinger games. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I think those. Well, in fact, three if you count the FA Cup final as well. So you know, it, it is it is tight. And I have all I thought for a long while that North have almost had something mentally over Rovers, if you like. And and so those two wins that Rovers got last year are absolutely crucial for for taking them. Uh, uh, the way of the title. Well, let's hear from Northfield and uh, new president Wayne Martell. Um, he's taken up the role uh, this season and of course uh, we'll be uh, overseeing everything going on down there. It is a privilege. North North has a long history of, of fine presidents soaked in the Guernsey football uh, tradition and uh, all I can hope to do is, you know, be a good custodian of Guernsey's oldest football club and as we always say, leave it in a better place, you know, uh, that, than I inherited it and uh, I couldn't really ask for a better start point than what Collins achieved in his, his five years. And uh, he's not he's not disappearing. We're going to make sure he hangs around. Yeah, brilliant. And, and you know, for you, what what's the sort of mood like at Northfield going into the new season? How are things shaping up? Yeah, it's been a good pre-season, actually, you know, um, across the age groups, Prio included, you know, um, a lot of positive uh, feedback to, to, to training and a lot of... Um, a lot of sense that actually we've we've done really well to create a lot of really good junior players you know challenges now how do we integrate those into a strong first team that's got you know already got a lot of quality um within within the squad um pre-season results might not have gone as um as we would have liked but actually you know the way training has gone and the way the preparation has gone we're you know we're pretty optimistic for the season ahead and you know what i think's looking like a pretty competitive you know pre league this year yeah, I mean, the Rawlins Cup has been very open, hasn't it? Um, you mentioned the um, the youth development there. Have you almost been at North a victim of your own success in, in sort of the last few years? Because so many of those players have stepped up to GFC and, and been involved there. And, and uh, you know, has it been quite disruptive to, to your sort of first team plans? Um, I wouldn't say it was disruptive, but yeah, we're, we're well aware that we do a really good job at developing good youth footballers. And you can't really argue if they choose to stretch themselves in whatever way is possible, you know, you know, Ben, Ben AC's away now at Bristol, uh, Bristol city. We've got obviously, as you've mentioned, a number of players, you know, choosing to train and see, see how far they can get in the GFC, um, infrastructure. It is an inevitable price of producing good players. And I think at the end of the day, they're still Northerners. I think most of them are still Northerners at heart and opportunities to play for our club will remain. Um, Ross, Jose, Charlie and the team, you know, fully expected that and um, we've been planning for it it's just we'll see how the season plays out I guess yeah is there a sense that you know with all that talent that you've had that that, that perhaps you've sort of um, missed out on on one or two Premier League titles in the last couple of years obviously that the pandemic came at such a bad time for for that league uh, campaign but sort of since then you, you kind of haven't quite been able to to kind of reach the top of the tree yeah, I mean, Colin is the first to remind me uh, that I was on the GFLM when that season was abandoned. <laughs> um, 
due, due to COVID. And that, that was really unfortunate because that team deserved to win that, you know, deserved to go on to win that league. And, and Jose, as our head coach, did, deserved it as well. You know, we're always known for trying to play good football and that that very much um, remains. And I think it's fair to say the last couple of seasons, we've continued with that. We probably haven't put the ball in the back of the net enough. And I think a mixture of injuries and losing an entire front three to, to GFC, you know, has probably played a pretty big part the last two seasons in why we've, you know, we've been the bridesmaid and, and not the bride, unfortunately. And you go into this season perhaps with with the confidence there that that can change and that that you can topple Rovers? Yeah, um, I mean, we, we go into every season thinking that if anyone's going to win a trophy, they're going to have to beat North to do it, whether it's Rovers or anybody else. And I think that that remains the case, you know. Um, so we're pretty confident that we've got all the, the building blocks to, to mount, you know, a decent title challenge for sure. And who should we be looking out for in, in the North Camp this year? Who's the next uh, cab off the rank, if you like, in terms of that, that youth production uh, line? <laughs> Great question. Um, I mean, obviously, we, we saw players like Archie Hure make little breakthroughs last year as an under-16. Um, he's now in the under-17s. He's, he's unfortunately got a little knock at the moment, but um, he's clearly one to watch. And with his peer... Uh, Jack Griffin having already made an appearance maybe for GFC and getting a goal is clearly a lot of motivation for him. Uh, uh, ben Wilson is of, of, of the same um, same age and has been been training well. And then we've obviously got those individuals we were kind of referring to before who's come who just come out of the junior ranks: the George McNeiler, Jamie Smith, the year before that Archie Drillo. All of those are you know extremely naturally gifted talent uh, you know footballers and. Um, the extent we see them in a North shirt this year is yet to be seen, but um, we're pretty confident they can all have a big role to play. Brilliant. And for you as president, you're, you're just getting your feet under that desk, I guess, um, but sort of off the field and as a club as a whole, have you, have you had time to kind of think about what your sort of priorities are or, you know, how you might shape it this season and beyond? Yeah, I mean, I suppose the one thing the pandemic did in a, in a strange way is actually it gave us a chance to focus on things at the club off the field. So I'm sure a lot of people will will have seen that, you know, we've refurbished the clubhouse. We've got new floodlights. We've just refurbished the grandstand. Um, year before that, we put in, you know, a, a new referees changing room. So lots of stuff that goes to support what happens on and around the football. So, uh, you know, there's sort of unanimous agreement, the committee, that actually it's about the football now for the next two or three years. And that's not just players and training, but it's, you know, let's let's keep helping Shemi develop the pitch and the training facilities. So, you know, we've been able to extend our top top training pitch. Um, thanks. Thanks to sort of planning permission there. Um, so we're looking at the surface um, and we're looking at uh, changing rooms and training. And so, OK, you know what? We're. We're not just a club with a great history, but we're a club that's building for a great future on the field as well. Fantastic. And what, what's your sense just finally of of um, kind of club football in the island as a whole? Because uh, there's been a lot of sort of fresh enthusiasm across the board almost, certainly at Rec, at Rangers, um, you know, Rovers and, um, and Saints will be as ambitious as ever, I'm sure. Uh, it, it, do you think there's a, as a, the game as a whole locally at club level is in a strong place? I certainly get a sense that there is a lot of energy and I think there is a bit of another generation of volunteers coming through who, who, who um, 
you know, want to take football forward collectively. I, you know, I, I mean, I've been a vice president in North for the last couple of years, and and I do think there's a, a willingness for the clubs to work together. It might not always manifest itself in the short term, and things might take longer to change than than people like. But the reality is, football only succeeds if we work together. You can't you can't make it happen in isolation. And and if we're strong, uh, I think football improves. If Rangers are strong, football Im- improves. Um, and I think you can actually see that and it will manifest itself in the fact that it will be a close Prio title race because the clubs you've mentioned, the Valrec and others, have been successful in bringing in new blood across management levels and, and on, on the field. Wayne Martel, uh, the new North Club president. Um, right, let's move on to St. Martins, who finished third last season, two points um, behind North, six off Champions Rovers. Um, they were dominant, weren't they, a couple of years ago, Saints? An absolute juggernaut, but so much has changed in that time. Uh, I can't believe how they haven't recovered since Harry Jones left them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, no seriously, um, Saints, yeah, it's, it's a warning sign, isn't it? The fact you can go from being utterly dominant, unbeaten all season, winning jersey competitions to having you know a, a, an indifferent season i think it's fair to say for them last year so much change uh, that 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 came into play and now yeah they're effectively they're rebuilding again i mean there was a lot of talk about transfer movement away from blodgeby lane this summer that didn't happen in the end but um i'll be interested to see how the new coaching regime um has an impact and uh, and see how how they get on i mean uh, from the from the whispers you hear about whether people are going to be around all season I, it was hard. I think you're slightly hard pushed to say that the Saints might be in the mix for the title, but uh, be interesting to see what they do. I'm sure that they will want to perform better than they did last season. Yeah, as you say, a new coaching setup. Ed Adams, uh, assisted by Wayne Duport, um, who uh, you've been speaking to, Harry, uh, down at the Rollingston Cup. Let's hear what he had to say to you. Well, thanks for joining me, Dupes. Obviously, now it's a new role for yourself this year in the coaching team, along with Russ and Ed Adams as manager. So, I mean, first and foremost, how's it been going so far? Yeah, it's been going really well. Um, we're trying to teach the boys a few new things this year. We're trying to play a, a lot more football on the deck, um, pass and move through the thirds, transitions. But again, it, you know, it's just it's just a work in progress at the moment. We've got, an exper- we've got a lot of experience and, and kids as well. So it's basically just working with a mixture of the guys. But no, you know, it's exciting, to be fair. It's good to be back. And what's the strategy and approach been like in pre-season so far? How have you been... You know, taking it forward onto the Rawlinson and then the pre-o season starting very soon as well. Well, we started our pre-season quite early, to be honest. Um, and we, we, we like playing top sides. So we played GFC in an in a, in a early pre-season friendly. And then we went on Jersey and played Groovel and St. Clement. Um, and then we come back and played some other sides. But yeah, we, we you know, this is one thing that they haven't had over the uh, course of last year was a lot of pre-season games. So hopefully now we're, we're fit, we're getting better. We're near, we, you know, we're where we are sort of thing. So the boys are playing football, which is great. And how's the squad been shaping up so far? You know, whereabouts are you at, do you think? Um, like I just said to you earlier, we, we know we're missing people like um, Dom Yeon, who's doing an Iron Man. Um, Cal Lash is still injured with his, with his ankle from going away, drinking. <laughs> um, also, you've also got you know, the likes of Danny Hale, who hopefully might play a bit more this year, and Cal Scott to come back, Harvey Leo. So, so it, just, it just shows, you know, even Etienne Leprevo. So it just shows what a big squad we got. And, you know, again, if we do we do lose three or four to injury, it's almost like a like-for-like coming in, you know, standard-wise, which is really good for us. I know some other clubs haven't got that strength in depth, but we're very lucky as a side. Yeah, and you've got a lot of young players at the club. 
as well. Um, are there any in particular you think we should watch out for this campaign? Well, yeah, I mean, Rio, Rio um, Baldic tonight, um, in the, the other day, he, he played him up front. You know, we tried him a few different positions throughout the um, pre-season, but we played him up top the other day. You know, he's listening, he wants to learn. You know, he's taken on board what we're saying. So, no, it could be an exciting breakout season for Rio, hopefully. Yeah, any others, any others in particular you think worth, worth mentioning? Yeah, we've got a lot of youngsters that are really good. we we got um, Charlie Coleman, again, he's exciting, you know what I mean? Both feet, he likes to run at people. we got got... Um, Wardy, Alex Ward, again, he likes to be on the ball. He's, he, he demands the ball all the time. we got Zaccio, again, another another lad that can play holding midfield or in the midfield. He's a, he's a big boy as well. So, yeah, the, the, the future is exciting for us. Yeah. And what would you say your overall aims and, an, aims and ambitions are for this season? Our, our, our biggest aim is to get the boys playing really, really good football. Because when you're playing really, really good football, you enjoy playing, you know what I mean? I know I know, winning's, you know, nine times out of ten is what the boys want to do, but we're playing decent football. We'll come the results, we're adamant with that, and we're hoping over the next couple of years we're playing some of the best football in the island. That's what our main aim is, but obviously every cup we go into, we want to win, and that's including the Brio title. Yeah, and obviously teams like Rovers, so strong last season, North as well, is the aim to sort of close the gap there and try and be, you know, in and amongst that right at the title fight all the way through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I see it as a... A bit of a mini league again, um, a bit a bit so much like last year again. You know, I see Rovers being up there, North being up there, and obviously Valrack, you know what I mean, and ourselves. That that to me will be like, again the lock in top four. The other the others some of the others are unproven, like Rangers. You know what I mean? Toddy's got them more organised, and you know they're, they're working hard. You know, and playing some decent football now. Um, again, you might have your struggles with Alderney. You know, I mean, I know they've merged, but fantastic for them. You know, keep on going. You know, in what they're doing, and obviously you got Bells down there with um, Sylvans, and I see you know you and Mal Rose has now signed for Rockane Pirates. So, you know, again, that's another one. Sylvans a loss. Who's you know he's a very good player. So, no, it should be good. Yeah, and obviously in the Rawlinson so far, we've seen a lot of very tight games, a lot of close games, a few upsets as well. So, do you expect it to be a very you know closely fought Prio season this year? Um, if I'm honest with you, like I say, I think it'd be two mini leagues again. I think the top four will be what I just said. And then you have a mini league with the other bottom four. I do I do foresee that because the other ones have got, the, to me, the more quality players and they've got the bigger squads. And as the season goes on, that makes a big difference. But again, it just depends where, where, you know, what GFC pick up as well. So if GFC pick them up again, but, uh, you know, again, it is tighter in pre-season. I always think it is. You've got to mix the mixed results. But I don't think there's any easy, easy games in Prio. If you're not on it, you will get beat. Yeah, 100%. And in terms of the inter-island competitions, obviously you're in the WeWay Cup again, and uh, the Jeremy, you know, Jersey were very dominant last year. So what do you think the key is behind the Guernsey teams maybe trying to close the gap, like teams like yourself trying to get closer to the likes of St. Peter? Yeah, I mean, it is a hard task. I mean, St. Peter and St. Clement, I mean, we've seen, we've seen, we played St. Clement. Obviously, Cole Hines scored, what, 50-odd goal, league goals last year. He's left Grooville and gone to St. Clement, and they're already a very good side. So I'd, I'd say St. Peter and St. Clement are going to be the you know, front runners this year again. But they, are, they play some fantastic football, pass and move football. They're strong, they all know their jobs. And the worst thing is they're both young squads. So no, it's, it's, it's hard to, to close the gap. But, you know, all of us, you know, in Guernsey, have got to work to strive to be, the, you know, there, the benchmark, you know, where Jersey are at the moment. Wayne Dewport speaking to you there. Harry, um, yeah, what's your sense of, uh, of how things are sort of building at Blanche PLA and after all that change? Yeah, well, I think they pretty much are the definition of a silent transition as it stands. Um, obviously, a new uh, coaching staff to, to maybe settle things down a little bit. 
But I think there's going to be, be a bit of a period where they're trying to settle in because they really want to implement their own style of play, as um, as Duke is very keen to discuss. They want to get the ball on the deck. They're really getting their players working on transitioning into a new system. And then, you know, they've got, they've got players who, you know, might be here for a bit of the season, might be going away for a little bit. I think the likes of Louis Hunter and George Mason are off travelling again. Uh, Dom Yeom not available for a couple of months. So I think there's going to be a lot of chopping and changing uh, around Saints this season uh, as it yeah as it moves on and yeah it'll be interesting to see how the players take to the new system they've got uh, I think they're playing three at the back that's what they've been going with in the Rawlinson anyway so far with quite wide uh, left and right centre halves a bit of a diamond in midfield they've played with at times in pre-season I think sometimes it's been quite effective sometimes it hasn't they've had a couple I thought they had a couple quite uh, quite a few poor results in, in pre-season prior to the Rawlinson I think they lost three 0 to Rangers up at Blanche Pier Lane when I'm not I think they were they were busy there's a bit of chaos with their system and things like that. They didn't hugely impress me against Bells, but they managed to get the job done. They're a bit improved last night against Rockane Pirates, but I do think they're a team that are going to go from strength to strength, to be honest. Yeah, whether they're going to be in the mix, you know, right at the top for the title, I'm not so sure, but I think they will improve and improve as the season goes on when players get more used to it. They've got young players like Alex Ward, um, Zakeo Joffre coming through, Rio Bodic up front, Charlie Coleman. So a lot of exciting young players that are just going to only develop and be, you know, really important players for them in the Prio. Uh, so, yeah, I think they're definitely one to keep an eye on. I think they're going to be quite exciting to see just what they can do this season. You know, are they going to really push? Are their young players going to really kick on? And they, are they going to get that group together that is capable? Because at full strength, that Saints team is still more than capable of competing right at the top. But it's whether they can get all these different parts together, the new coaching team. And, yeah, I think it's just one one to keep an eye on. And obviously those guys, um, you know, in the dugout this season um, have, well, been heavily involved in youth development over the years, you know, kind of with Orma FC and whatnot. Do, I mean, do you think uh, it'll be a real kind of story of, of the young players up there this season that they'll be given the kind of the trust and the, the support to really come through? Yeah, I do think there'll be a lot of emphasis on them. I know a few of them have been training for GFC and um, speaking to Wayne Ed Adams, it seems like they're really keen to try and push young players on to develop further than the Saints even and try and get into that Guernsey FC team. Uh, so I think that is really the philosophy they're going with, trying to you know develop these players through. They've got a nice blend of experience at the club, of course, you know, the likes of Chris Lenore, uh, Dom Yeom, Ollie Smith. So a lot of experienced players, Cy Gill as well, players that they can lean on and um, and learn from going forward. I mean, even the likes, you know, Jake Lowe's still young, Brad O'Regan still only sort of 21 years of age. So they've got a lot of room to improve too. So I think... Yeah, they will be putting a lot of trust in in young players this season, Saints, as will quite a few teams. Um, and I think that is, yeah, that's what the coaching staff are going to want to do. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the young players take to it of, you know, having this additional responsibility and see how far they can go. Yeah, well, let's round off um, the top four from last season and the team they'll be taking on uh, in the final of the Rawlinson on Friday night. Vale Rec, uh, where you, of course, uh, the star man now, Harry. <laughs> um, Jim, how much of a chance do you give Rec of, of breaking into that top three? I saw Wreck uh, beat Rovers. I got to say, I was hugely impressed. I mean, uh, they attacked with pace, but tactically, uh, I thought they were excellent. And in terms of working for each other as a as a group, you know, honestly, that the the togetherness there seems to be second to none. Uh, they've got an awful lot of players out injured at the moment, so the the bench was was uh, pretty thin, and then they lost a couple more lads to injury. So they're having a uh, you know potentially difficult time. Off the bit, off the pitch, on the training table at the on the treatment table at the moment, but uh, I could honestly see Rec continuing to to make progress this season. I mean, uh, Mark Romerill did say to me that uh, he thought actually they were pretty good against the, the the others in the top four last year. Where they let themselves down was sometimes playing against the teams uh, towards the bottom, uh, and so it'd be interesting to see if they can come up with a with a way to you know to 
dismiss those uh, sides and continue to uh, to do a number on the better teams. And of course, there's that extra carrot of a fourth uh, WeWay spot this season. Um, so, you know, the, the top four or that, that fourth place will be um, one kind of in high demand, but whether they can uh, look further up. Well, interesting. I mean, obviously, I think people want to finish in the top half of the table, but we're getting to the point where qualifying for the WeWay needs to be something more than just, oh my God, we've got to pay X thousand pounds to go over to Jersey for one game to get beat. <laughs> uh, and, and teams you know, are going to want to make sure that they can put a, a decent side out to actually give a reasonable account of themselves if they're going to be involved in inter-island competition. But very uh, disappointing just simply to have to shell out thousands for, uh, uh, for a heavy defeat. Yeah, perhaps there's a bit of um, uh, kind of format change needed uh, to the inter-island competitions, but that's a debate for another day um mm -hmm. harry take us inside the the dressing room then at corbett field what's the feeling uh yeah you know positive so far quite a quite a few pre-season games had a trip over to jersey as well but um yeah like james said there's been quite a few injuries which has probably put a little bit of a damper on things going into the season uh gunner tissier has missed pretty much all of pre-season not quite sure when he's going to be back i'm not sure he'll be ready for the first pre game next friday uh seb skillen's been out for a few weeks he picked up an injury against sylvan's in a pre-season game he should be back for next friday i'm not too sure yet uh joe blackham looks more longer term now sam lahiro is going to be out uh for a little while too um so yeah that is yeah it's been a bit been a bit frustrating i think for rommers and the coaching staff being a bit bare bones for the Rawlins and like Roma said after the Rovers game, you know, he maybe didn't even really want to win that game because so many players out injured and, you know, giving them further risk before the season starts because I think all eyes has always been on the first pre-o game of the season next Friday against Rangers. It's not particularly been on the Rawlinson, even though we've done very well in the competition so far and got the final. I think the emphasis really is on getting players fit and ready and sharp for the pre-o game. But the fact we've got so far on the Rawlinson means that the players have the opportunity to get sharp and, you know, be playing games consistently. I think that's what, five, five pre-season games played now, including the Rollers, four or five, yeah, I think five pre-season games played, including the Rollers and games will be six after the Saints game as well. So it's a very good schedule going into the season. Uh, the squad's looking good, as James said, very tight-knit group, a lot of togetherness in the group and a real understanding of what's going forward. And I think there'll be a lot of optimism. Um, if I had to speak, so, you know, more, than, more as a neutral and look at, look at it really objectively last season, I think what Rec have to focus on is trying to beat the lower sides when, you know, when they should be expecting to beat them. I think last season there was a little period around December where they lost to Sylvans, um, lost to Saints when Saints were going through a bit of a rough patch, drew to Bells. And that, you know, those sort of results cost Rec third really in the league when third was right there up for grabs. If you look, it was really that bit that damaged it. Then losing, losing to Sylvans later on in the season as well, or drawing to Sylvans later on in the season as well. Um, yeah, really strong against the big sides. Beat Rovers in the Rawlinson as well, which I'm sure will be a big confidence booster uh, to everyone when you know play the likes of Rovers in the league. And yes, yeah, so, I mean, so far, so good in pre-season. And yeah, it's just a matter of trying to stay consistent, I think, through the season, trying to get off to a good start. But yeah, I think, obviously, probably a bit of bias in there, but I think Rhett can do well this season and really be pushing the top three and um, you know even beyond if if the core of the group is there together more often than not. Yeah, and as you say, uh, potentially tricky start. Rangers at home on the first night of the season, given those injury problems and the yeah. given uh, Rangers' improvement. Um, in a bit, we'll come on to uh, the teams uh, looking to, to break out of that bottom half of the table. Um, but next, we'll talk about the women's game. Welcome back. Uh, now, what a summer it has been for women's football, well, globally, um, but also in Guernsey as well. Of course, we're just uh, coming off the back of uh, that uh, tremendous World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Uh, the Lioness is doing so well, but falling just short, of course. Um, and just a few weeks ago, uh, the Island Games, where Guernsey's women um, 
yeah, put up a, a really good fight, um, a quick turnaround for their new coaching um, team uh, of Katie Watson and Anna Govine. Um, and that after that fabulous goal uh, from uh, Callie Headley in the women's Bratty at Foots Lane. So um, yeah, I mean, it feels like, uh, well, clearly worldwide, Jim, it's a boom time for women's football. Is this the season that things really move on here? I think it has to be uh, for, for the women's game in Guernsey. I mean, never, never a better opportunity for, for 20 plus years, I, I, I would have said. Um, you know, and I see they're doing um, uh, friendly five-a-side type competitions to try and bring new people in. That, that's you know, got to be a good idea. I hope that takes off. Um, I don't know what the GFC schedule is or GWFC schedule is going to look like, but uh, I hope that that is enough uh, enough games to, you know, to just keep things ticking over at, at this stage and that the performances uh, come up to scratch. Uh, I still think you know, some kind of domestic league structure is is absolutely critical to to continue to try to build. It's all very well having a elite, inverted commas, 20 or so. If, if everybody else new into the game doesn't think they can match that group, then you've got a, a, a split somewhere. You know, you've got to try to integrate new players into... Uh, you know, into your core group to then have, a, you know, potentially 40 people, all of whom could be playing at, at, a, at the GFC level possibly. Uh, and I think that's, you know, so there's an awful lot of challenges facing that group. However, I think they're well positioned for it. Uh, and this really ought to be the year that, uh, that they do kick on. Yeah, and the island's uh, top women already trading together as Guernsey uh, FC women. Um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see what that schedule looks like when it takes shape and when they play their first game. Of course, we'll have uh, lots more coverage on them uh, here on the Guernsey Press uh, Football Podcast during the season. But to find out a bit more uh, widely about what's uh, shaping up for the women's game this season, I caught up with Gerald Prio from the GFA. Joel, start of a new season and um, it's been an uh, amazing few weeks for, for women's football. Uh, I'm sure lots of, of fresh interest. What's the what's the buzz around like at the moment? Yeah, it's been fantastic. Obviously, England women have done amazing things for women's football, putting us out on such a big stage and having so many people watching. I myself went down to Summary Park and there was thousands of people all watching our women play football, which is fantastic. And I was looking around and I was trying to see if I knew many people or lots of girls that were there. And there were so many new people that I didn't know through football that were supporting women's football. So it was fantastic to see. And then off the back of that, yeah, lots of interest has been sparked and lots of parents asking where their girls can play football or women themselves that are like, I really want to get involved. What can I do? So it has sparked a lot of interest and yeah, excited for the new season to start. Yeah, new season and some new initiatives as well. Guernsey FC women, obviously a really high profile launch a few weeks ago we'll come on to that in a moment but in terms of the GFA you've got a new five-a-side um, league which you're going to be running on Friday nights um, starting very soon just tell us about that and, and what the interest has been like so far yeah so next week uh, which will be the 1st of September we're starting a five-a-side um, down at Bells they've got their little 3G area which I thought would be a great facility to have a small pitch to play um, for people that might not be fully fit coming in as an athlete They're for recreational women that just want to take part a small area with a social bar to be quite relaxed and um, nice environment around that so yeah launched that this week to say look we really want to start this get in touch if you want to enter a team or individually if you want to come and give it a go uh, there's been loads of people individually that have said yeah 
please add me to a team. Um, so I think I've managed to make about two teams worth of people with subs because um, obviously it's quite important that they rotate and not everyone's playing constantly um, to give them that experience and help out. Um, and also had a few interests um, from some rival sports. So rugby and softball have shown interest that they want to enter some girls teams, um, which is fantastic. So really looking forward to getting it going and seeing new people play. Yeah, is that something you've been able to do before? Or is it because of GFC women uh, coming along and, and sort of taking away, I suppose, the best players and, and, and kind of getting them ready for, for whatever comes their way, whether it's just friendlies this season and, and league um, league campaigns hopefully down the line. But, but is this a new thing that's kind of allowed you maybe to get more participation going? Yeah, massively. So it's not something we've really ever done before. Obviously, our local league structure folded quite a few years ago now and there hasn't really been that gap in the market but now with the success of both local women's football and international women's football there's now a demand for that recreational social football um, and not that elitist so GFC women have a great opportunity to provide for those elite players but we now have a market for social players um, to want to do it so really excited to do this as a first off. Yeah and what about GFC women obviously a, a, a new project um, following on from the, the men's side which is um, kind of yeah generated so much attention over the last 10 years how hopefully you that that that's the kind of I suppose the 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 big impetus really that women's football needed in Guernsey yeah it's massive it's hugely grateful to GFC for giving us the well giving the women the opportunity to be able to be part of that club um, and they've made themselves such a great product over the years and the respect and the support from the whole island so it's great to be able to say that Guernsey now has a men's and a women's side in that club which is fantastic and it gives the players the opportunity to play at the highest level they can and unfortunately being from an island the the best challenge you can get is by traveling off island and GFC have the experience with the men's team traveling and having that structure in place for so long they're helping guide the women to be able to do the same which is fantastic to have that equal opportunity yeah brilliant and you've been involved in the game for a number of years obviously you've been in this role as, as women and girls development officer for a few years uh, does it feel like this season potentially with what what we just talked about that we've got the best opportunity to really move the women's game on yeah, I think so. I think we've slowly been moving in the right direction, but um, in the last season, um, we've been making bigger and bigger strides and moving forward and giving people more opportunities. I think during the Island Games, the girls really showed their potential in the games that we had. We were competitive, um, obviously didn't win, um, but that's a squad that lacks experience in match exposure. Um, so now providing these opportunities, those girls will get this opportunity um, get the experience that they need to develop um, and see those girls progress more and more, which I'm excited to see. Yeah, and are you going to be involved in that GFC women's setup? So I sit on the committee. I have now retired as a player. Um, so Island Games saw off the end of well not well I say the end the girls keep saying oh you'll be back in a few years you'll be back in a few years um but just at the moment suffering with a few injuries and knocks and I just can't commit my body fully to play as best as I want to play so for me it's time to take a step back um but I'm not scared I know that there's enough youngsters there to in a sense replace me um that are better than me that can do more than I can that comply themselves so yeah it's time for me to step away as a player but fully there to support the team going forwards um and obviously continue my work with the GFA and develop the young girls coming through yeah and just finally um you mentioned some of the young players you know we, we've talked about Mayor endlessly over the years and, and rightly so um but you know you speak to a lot of people locally there, there are some great young talents um kind of coming through the academy does that give 
give you a lot of hope for, for this season and beyond? Yeah, definitely. There's certainly some girls coming through that are going to be turning 16 um, either this season or next season. So definitely for Marathi prospects, looking forward to giving the Jersey girls um, a good competitive game, hopefully scoring a few more goals. Um, but yeah, for GFC women as well to develop them. I think there's potential in some local girls to actually go further and um, follow in the footsteps of Maya, um, even if it's not internationally, but to go within a pro club. Um, so I always speak about her as the next one. Um, we've got Chloe, who's got her involvement with Brighton and she's um, just come back. I saw her today, she's down at Aztec training, continuing to make herself better and do everything that she can. Uh, she's just come back uh, from spending a day with Brighton and being in amongst that under 16 group. So really good prospect with her um, and a couple others as well. Joel Prio speaking to me there. Um, yeah, lots to look forward to on the women's side of things. And we'll have uh, plenty of women's football coverage here on the Guernsey Press Football Podcast this season. But back to the Premier League and uh, the four other sides. We'll go through them one by one. Um, let's start with Rangers, perhaps, uh, Yeah, who are going to be uh, playing that opening uh, game of the Premier League season uh, next Friday. Um, yeah, clearly uh, there's lots of ambition there. There's been lots of progress, um, whether uh, as much progress on the field as they would have hoped last season. But uh, coming into this one, it seems like there's a lot of positivity around. Um, some uh, quite ambitious um, kind of, sort of pre-season plans. They went over to Eastleigh, didn't they, um, to play a couple of friendlies or to play at least a friendly. Um, Jim, what's your sense of, of how quickly that project is moving on? I think they made strides probably in the second half half of last season I think they were disappointed uh, at what they didn't get in the transfer market that you had last summer um, then you know towards the end of the season when some teams were kind of giving up the ghost you felt that they were you know they were making strides forward you could see some kind of pattern of play some kind of uh, you know resilience organization and people continuing to turn out and that's very important when you're in the bottom half of the, of the league again I would suspect they're just slightly disappointed at what they haven't been able to pick up over the summer but they've obviously got a couple of core players I think Steve Renoff is an excellent uh, signing a guy who tends to be uh, you know available 24 games a season or whatever it is nowadays uh, and you know and is a bit of a goal threat as well works really hard so you know and obviously they're putting a lot of faith in in young players um i hope from their point of view uh, some of those lads are hitting the final year of under 18s now and you know, they need them to stick around in guernsey uh to, you know to continue that that going because you know they have a wee bit of momentum there in terms of the, the their junior ranks and they need that and if you were to lose half that squad to university that uh that wouldn't be uh, a, a good thing. But Rangers are, are in are in the best shape that they have been for, for some time. And I think most importantly, it's just, it looks like a sustainable shape. And Harry, for you, I mean, uh, would you say kind of Rangers is a considerably more attractive place to play football now than it has been in, uh, in certainly sort of your lifetime, I guess? Yeah, 100%. I think they've recruited really well uh, this summer. We've seen quite a few signings go there, which just shows that they're definitely becoming a more attractive prospect. Uh, Sam Green, Jack Isabel... Uh, Jack Smith, who's a good player, and um, Steve Renoff, of course. So four very good signings there that are going to really boost them. Players with a bit of experience as well, but you know, players that are still you know mostly in their peak and players that can, I think, make a big impact. And yeah, I think it's just down to how the how the whole club's turned around in terms of the whole setup and the coaching staff. I think, especially Chris Tardiff, uh, Andy Manning, Alex Depera. It's a really, really good coaching team they've got there. 
worked very well with the youngsters so far. We've seen the youngsters come on quite a bit already. Um, yeah, 100% they're moving in the right direction. The best that I can remember, uh, Rangers, you know, since I've been following the Prio probably in the last six, seven years, they're way ahead of where they've been before. So it's really good to see, really encouraging to see the fact they're doing it with the way of using so many youngsters, trusting so many youngsters. And, you know, the likes of Zach Batiste, Harry Test, I mentioned before, uh, Jacques Covin, uh, Georges Goubet. They've got quite a few, Tom Solway as well. And all these players are starting regularly and, and playing well. They're becoming a lot more of a force. Uh, obviously, we saw them knock out North in the Rawlinson Cup. And I think they were well worth that win. They you know, played really well, really good unit as a team. A lot of togetherness, a clear shape, a clear system. And, you know, really good against us as well. I thought they gave us a good test. Didn't really give us too many clear-cut chances. And they had, I think they had a couple of players missing still as well. So, yeah, very encouraging signs. I'm interested to see how far up the table they can push this season because I definitely think they're going to move up. It's just a matter of how many places they can, they can move. Yeah, have they got the best chance of, of breaking into that top four? Yeah, I think I think they've got a decent. I think they've got a decent chance. If they can get some momentum, obviously it's a tough ask. It's a, it's a long season, twenty-one games. A lot can happen. There's so much momentum swings that are going to happen. So you never really know. But I think Rangers have definitely got a chance of doing it. I definitely do not think it's beyond the rounds of possibility. Uh, onto a club that perhaps has been moving in the opposite direction at the, at the sort of senior level in the last couple of years. The Sylvans, uh, they were in a title race not that long ago, but finished probably in a slightly disappointing fifth place uh, last year. Um, clearly, they've got lots of, of good young players. And, uh, you know, once again, you know, well, we saw one of their, their, their juniors, Jack Griffin, star for GFC uh, at the edge of 16 just the other day in their first game of the season. But Sylvans, Jim, do you think they've got... Um, the makings of a better season this time around? It's, they're very heavily reliant on on young players now, aren't they? I mean, almost more so than, than Rangers uh, were last year. I mean, they've um, lost Miles Hardill, has gone to Rockham Pirates, lost Ewan Melrose, gone to Rockham Pirates. You know, Ewan was a talisman in that team, a source of goals, and also the, the wise old head uh, amongst what else they had. Um, I, I wouldn't say that they're out of any contention at, at all, but it would be interesting. And of course, a a senior team that is made up, you know, almost a hundred percent of of under eighteens has also got to balance what it's going to do in the under eighteen league as well, uh, and that will be you know that will be quite challenging, particularly if you've got you know games Saturday Sunday, uh, yeah, under eighteen games tend to be on played on a Sunday, so I'd be interested to see uh, how that works out. But you know, again. Uh, they need to keep hold of these players uh, after the next season or, or two and, and then potentially they've become a real force to be reckoned with. Yeah, and from a side that is perhaps dominated by youth to one that's um, on the more experienced end of things, Bells, um, have they made any progress this summer? Well, I'm, I mean, Harry's seen Bells, I haven't. I'm fascinated to see what happens with Bells because last year, uh, towards the end of the season, it was uh, verging on the shambolic, I think, to be honest. Uh, and you kind of felt, you know, given the some of the senior players who uh, we understood to be uh, moving away there, then that was going to cause them another problem. Um, still got uh, Mark McGrath, who's so important to them as a, as a source of goals and still able to do it at, uh, at prior levels. So fair play to him. But the the best achievement I think so far from what I've seen is that Christopher Freak has has recruited half a, a team. Uh, many of whom, uh, from looking at the names anyway, don't appear to be known to me, uh, and they take Saints all the way. So, uh, you know, I wonder where he's found those guys from, but uh, fair play. And if there's a few others in the squad, I understand from Chris that he's actually he's got quite a reasonably sized squad, uh, which I think he's going to need, um, that they might be able to be uh, to be pretty competitive. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say they're going to be tearing anything up, but... You know, uh, you know, I think, again, you know, the Bells kind of were in a 
calamity recovered from that with the return of the old boys now that that the momentum of that kind of drained away last season so they're almost starting again now and it'll be very interesting to see you know where this journey takes them yeah that Rawlinson showing Harry cause for a bit of optimism yeah I, I was impressed by them to be honest I think they're always a team that can hurt that can hurt other teams on the break you know Mark McGrath is one of the most clinical finish in the Prio League he scored what 20 odd goals last season he's certainly right up there in terms of the golden boot Brad Foster play high rate really highly always a dangerous player absolute nightmare to play against Brad Foster and <laughs> Yeah, he caused Saints a lot of issues. Got two assists to Mark McGar, and then I thought he'd scored the winner late on. I think that everyone else in the ground did. I think everyone thought it was only a couple minutes to go, but Saints managed to find enough time uh, to equalise in the end and eventually get past them. But yeah, I think Bell's a team that are probably going to set up quite defensively over the course of the season, which I think is probably their best bet. You know, try and you know get a solid foundation and then hit teams on the break. Robbie Williams, another one I mentioned earlier too. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of legs. He's always going to be a dangerous player in behind, especially when they're hitting teams on the counter attack. With Bells, you never really know. You never really know who's going to turn up for them. You never really know what sort of Bells you're going to see on any given day. I think at the start of the season, they're always going to be a bit of a stronger outfit than they are towards the end. We saw a massive tail off towards the end of last season because they've got or they at least did have last season, a lot of experienced players who, you know, maybe have not got the same legs as a lot of the younger teams in the Prio League. And, you know, even in games, they, they start games quite strongly and they, t- they tend to tail off. They lost a lot of games from winning positions last season. So I think something that's been a real focus for them in pre-season, speaking to Chris Lefreyek, is just basically killing them on fitness, getting them doing fitness, 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 try to get them up to the levels where they need to be to be able to hold on more in games, to finish games strongly and to try and, you know, make it last over the course of a season. Because it's all well and good getting a few wins early on, looking really impressive, you're looking decent in the runs and things like that. But then, you know, by the time it gets to Christmas and beyond, you have to maintain that same level. You're going to tail off and... You know, you're just going to keep slipping in the lead table, which we saw last season. Should mention one more transfer move that we haven't spoken about yet, but uh, they've got Adam Gontier in goal coming in from Rangers. Um, now, Adam has been in and out of Prio teams over the years, never really seemed to take football all that seriously. But last season when he played for Prio for, Rover, for Rangers and other games, he was unstoppable, you know, well, not unstoppable. Um, <laughs> nothing could get past Unbeatable. Uh, yeah, and uh, it'd be very interesting to see how he gets on, potentially going to play a full season uh, in of Prio football, uh, even at his uh, you know, fairly advancing years. Right, that's Bells then, which just leaves us uh, one uh, of the eight, uh, which is Alderney, um, finished rock bottom, of course, last year with just three points to their name, um, just a single win, uh, which came pretty early on. It was a, a long and testing season for Alderney. Obviously, they had the disappointment of not being involved in the island games as well so i mean all in all it couldn't have gone much worse um but uh pretty big news i guess for them and for us jim off the pitch uh that since then um alderney football has merged is that the right word or sort of joined forces should we say with uh cf independent which of course um you've been a big presence uh and a big sort of driving force behind um just explain what that arrangement means for both clubs and and what you think it might do for alderney yeah as you were saying they've had a bad 12 months and now this <laughs> um no uh, well i mean i think they uh put out a, a sos last and towards the end of last season didn't they basically say any guernsey players you want to play prio without the training kind of thing give us a shout sounds like my kind of so, day. well exactly <laughs> uh but we thought well it, you know Essentially, you know, not I, particularly. Essentially, it's an opportunity to to 
to strengthen um, Indies because it might bring in players who would play for us and play for, for Alderney. Uh, but, you know, we saw it really as an opportunity as well to help them at least fill their bench. There were far too many games last season where Alderney travelled with 11 players or 12 players or something like that. You know, that's not not sustainable, particularly when you've got such a, a small squad. Um, it's really the the story of Alderney is absolutely remarkable how they managed to get a team that was so hugely competitive only what four years ago to be runner up in the Premier and take it all the way. I mean that was outstanding uh, effort. Um, I know a lot of the games were kind of one nil wins from a penalty or something, but you've got to you know you've got to all set yourself up to go out and win those games and how they managed to do that. You know it's an exceptional group of players, many of them homegrown. Uh, that era is gone and it's really tough for them. You know they're bringing in young lads now who've hardly played a game of uh, of eleven aside football. Um, you know, and and they have to come straight in into the Priya. So, what difference um, Indies players will, will make to them? I, I I don't really know. I mean, it, I I do know that it is a massive step up from playing railway football to playing Priya football. Absolutely ginormous. Uh, and so, you're going to need a big performance from the you know, from the senior players at uh, at Alderney, the Adamsons, um, uh, Josh Concannon, um, You know, th those kind of guys. Uh, and basically, yeah, the, the, but I, their very existence basically hangs on on this season. Uh, you know, they they know that if they kind of put a, a foot wrong, then a lot of the other clubs would would be ha happy to kind of lose them from the um, from the Prio commitment and save thousands going up there for an away game. So you know, Alderney football is a little bit of a. Uh, crisis point, I think, but you know there is still a lot of of goodwill in the island, and and you know, the players or a lot of the players are still committed. So let's uh, let's see, you know, if if we can help them uh, and DC um, see how the season goes. But I hope you know, they will be looking for a, a slight, you know, even if the improvement is not in terms of league position, in terms of results. I mean, they did lose quite a few games, one nil last year, or by a single goal, and that that will be. Uh, a challenge to try and turn one or two of those around and see if they can get a result. Yeah, the question on nobody's lips, when will Tony Kerr get his pre-o appearance? <laughs> <laughs> Injury crisis might, uh, yeah. might be required. I'll pencil in sort of March, April then. Um, no, it's a good sign, uh, you know, well, it's a sign of the goodwill, isn't it, that um, that, that there is uh, kind of appetite for, for Indies to get involved, I think, um, there for Alderney. So it'll be interesting to see yeah, how it develops across the season. They start um, away against Bells on the 2nd of September. Um, as we said, Rec opened the season at home against Rangers. Uh, the other couple of games on the opening weekend uh, see Saints against North, which will be an interesting barometer for both of those sides, and Rovers go up to Sylvans. Right, before we just get a quick word from Jersey about what uh, Guernsey's sides can expect uh, from there this season, I'm going to trouble you for a quick prediction. Uh, on the spot, guys. Uh, Jim, let me come to you first. Champions this year? Uh, Rovers. Harry? Yeah, it's, e it's easy to say, but I, think, I do think Rovers. <laughs> Pretty simple. Um, Stand-up player of the season? Who are you most excited to watch? I'll rephrase it. I'm excited, frankly, to watch. There's a lot of under-18s around, and I'd just like to see... You know, if, a, if an under 18 can come through the Prio and then potentially look really look to cut through at GFC level, that would be uh, that would be interesting. Uh, yeah, it's a tough question. I think 
this is sort of linking North and, and GFC together. But I think Owen Woolbridge is a player I'm very excited to see what he does this season, whether that is uh, playing locally and see if he can make the step up to GFC. So, you know, sort of a cop-out answer, because not first, not solely Priya, but in terms of local players, yeah, he's one I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. Yeah, good stuff. Long season ahead. Uh, of course, at the end of it, um, we'll see what happens um, with the inter-island competitions, with the Upton as well. So, uh, yeah, I wanted to check in on uh, what things look like over in Jersey this year, how uh, things are likely to progress. Um, who's likely to be fighting out in their new look um, premiership setup? And to do that, I spoke to Tim Pryor from The Gantry. I think the league seems to change every year. There's this difficulty uh, here in Jersey and possibly there in Guernsey with trying to keep the teams from the same club separate. So you don't have, you know, two two from the same club in, in one league um, and the conflict that that would bring. But at the same time, wanting to have that uh, that idea of promotion and relegation as as a thing and to, to have that added element of excitement in the, in the leagues as well. So they grapple with it every year. I think they've... They've got it pretty uh, pretty good this year. Um, so the way they've structured it is there's four divisions in Jersey. Uh, each of them will have eight teams in it. So it's nice and tidy from that perspective. Um, and I should say I'm on the uh, on the JFA competitions committee, so I'm probably bound to say it's good. But I, was, <laughs> I, I wasn't involved in this restructure this year. So uh, just to get that out there. But um, yeah, it's nice and tidy. But basically, there's two ladders. So there's your premiership ladder and your championship ladder. Um, and promotion and relegation between between the two. So Premiership 1 and Premiership 2 has all the first teams in it, and then Championship 1 and Championship 2 has mainly reserve teams, some C teams, and then the odd couple of first teams in there from, from some of the smaller clubs. Um, I suppose the downside of it is that actually in, in Championship 1, some of those reserve teams are probably better than some of the teams in Premiership 2. Um, but uh, but it's quite nice and tidy. It keeps the keeps the clubs apart in the main. When you've only got eight teams in a division, you're you're never far from the top or the bottom. So um, it should be quite an exciting season, I think. Yeah, cool. And putting aside Jersey Bulls, um, he perhaps fell yeah. a bit short of, of kind of hopes and expectations last season. It was a pretty uh, pretty good season for for Jersey football. I mean, who do you think are the sides that are going to be in contention at the top of Premiership One? Is it the same as as last year? I think mainly, I, th- I think St. Peter, having won the title for the first time in, what, 17 years, I think, decade and a half or so, um, you know, they've got a target on their backs, as champions always have. So I, I think teams will up their game against them. I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they retain the title. Elliot Powell, who, who took the Jersey side in the Island Games very successfully and was involved in the, the Marathi as well, he's their manager and he's, he's one of the most organised people you could meet, very structured, very very focused so he'll have them he'll have them playing well i would think st clement's will be up there they won the the premiership a couple of years ago um and they're under gary tumulty's leadership uh they beat st peter actually this week 3-0 uh in the charity cup so the kind of a pre-season tournament over here in jersey um so st clement uh i think will do well they've got carl heinz uh that they've brought in this year um as you may or may not know uh heinz scored 50 goals 5-0 Goal half century of goals last season, um, and so for, for Grooville to lose a player like that, fifty goals, plus they've lost Harrison Moon at Grooville, who's uh, who uh, I think got around uh, ten goals or so last season for Grooville. He's gone to St Peter, so so Grooville are desperately looking around, you know, thinking where where have sixty goals gone here? <laughs> um, so so it could be tough for them. Although Grooville had a great result in um, in pre season seven nil win against St Brellard, so. Uh, they're obviously still finding some goals from somewhere uh, at Grooville. But I think St. Peter, 
would be my favourites, but St Clement won't be won't be far off in Premiership one. Um, the only other team that I think will probably be somewhere in the running would be St Brellard. Um, they've got Adam Lester, who's come in as manager there. He's been involved. Uh, a lot of people here in Jersey will, will know him from his involvement in youth football over over many years. But he's he's taken on the manager uh, manager role there at St Brellard. Uh, Kieran Lester, uh, his brother, scores a lot of goals up front for them. Uh, Logan McGee will get a, a fair few, few as well. Uh, and they've brought in um, some creative players. They've got uh, Mikey Weir, uh, who's played in Marathi's, Michael Weir, for, for, for many years. Um, not so much recently, but over a good few years. And also Daryl Wilson, who played for the Bulls, has a few Marathi caps, I think, to his name as well. So some Brellas should get plenty of goals. It's just whether they can, can stop them going in at at the other end, but, but I would think probably St. Peter and St. Clement would be be the likely title race. Yeah. What about the women's side of things? Cause you're involved still coaching Roselle women. Um, you'll have probably seen with interest that GFC have launched a women's team and are sort of hoping to get games on this season. I mean, what, what's the feeling about how, how things are sort of shaping up on that side of things in Jersey and, and, you know, mm. would you support something similar? I mean, Jersey Bulls have spoken about a women's team. I don't know if they're as far along in terms of sort of progressing towards getting onto a pitch. Yeah, there's, there's been talk for a while about whether um, the Bulls will do a women's team. And it, I, my understanding is it comes down to money. It comes down to finding that sponsorship. The players at the top level of the women's game in Jersey would certainly be keen to do something uh, like that. The knock-on effect on the, the local league would, um, would I think, be, be pretty strong because you've got um, last season a lot of games being scratched with only four uh, club sides playing the women's game in Jersey. Um, it, even with the four, there were still games being called off quite regularly. So whether the player numbers could cope with, you know, taking 16, 20 of the top ones out of the local league would be, would, would put the league in a, in a real sticky position, I think. Whether they would come up with some kind of rule where, you know, you have to, if you're playing for the balls, you have to play for a club side as well or something like that to keep that local league going. We won all four last year. Just thought I'd drop that in there at Rendell, <laughs> four, um, four local cups. Um, but I think it's going to be, it's going to be tougher this year. Not, not that it wasn't tough last year. Um, there's a new club side, so St Peter did so well in the, the men's league, they're, they're launching a women's team this year. Um, but effectively, it sounds like that's the St Lawrence side and the St Lawrence manager basically being picked up out of St Lawrence and, and plonked down at St Peter, so moving as a group across to that club. So we've still got the four teams. Um, St Peter, from the outside, seems like a, a really well-run club, so um, I'd expect them to do well there and thrive. They've got great facilities. Um Lovely pitch up there as well. Um, Jersey Wanderers, uh, again, it was it was kind of three teams going out of the four going for all the Cups last year. Uh, Wanderers, St Lawrence and, and ourselves at Roselle. So I'd expect Wanderers to be strong as well. Uh, I'm just hoping Grooville can can cling on, really. Um, obviously, it's tough when you're, you're suffering a lot of regular defeats, um, some of them heavy. I'm hoping player numbers at Grooville will, will continue because three, three teams would would be less fun. It's already quite repetitive, you know, playing the same teams week after week. And for the players, I think it's it's nice for them to have different challenges rather than coming up against the same teams. I know the um, Guernsey are sending a team over to play in the Jersey FA Cup later on in the season as well. Not sure which outfit, uh, which team that is, whether that's a, a Guernsey FA thing or a, a GFC thing. But um, that'll be good. To, again, just because it gives players here in Jersey different opposition rather than coming up uh, against the same clubs week after week. 
Tim Pryor over in Jersey speaking to me there. Um, yeah, we'll see who's in the mix um, for the big trophies at the end of the season. A uh, long way to go and we'll cover it every step of the way here on the Guernsey Press Football Podcast and of course in the pages of the Guernsey Press. Um, just some final thoughts from you guys. Um, it was an interesting season all around last year as far as Guernsey football is concerned, but certainly from the sort of representative angle outside of that massive high point of the under 18s, uh, it was one probably that we'll be looking to forget or move on from at least um, very quickly. Uh, Jim, do you hold out any hope for an improvement on that front this year? There was a lot of talk uh, around that time of the of the interim of the season that things had to change. I haven't heard or seen of any indication that, that things are, are going to change in terms of um, uh, you know giving time for Ireland squads to train or, or that kind of thing. Uh, I hope, you know, I hope so. Uh, but you know, it's one thing. I mean, we've got a great. Whatever you think about the quality of it, I love the the, the Premier League as, as a domestic football competition that is really competitive, you know, and also played with, you know, we know there's a lot of chat nowadays about time added on in football and all that due to time wasting. You don't get that in the Premier really. People play, you know, grassroots spirit football. You know, it, it's kind of proper football to go watch. Some of GFC's opponents are, you know, are kind of embarrassing uh, in terms of their antics. Um, so it's one thing having a competitive uh, domestic you know, and good d- domestic structure. It's another thing going to compete uh, at, at, at a higher level. And Jersey, frankly, is, is a higher level. And, you know, I like to, to think that, you know, the better Guernsey teams, again, you know, could start to really show some discipline in terms of, organization selection tactically and and you can take these guys on and all too often we just you know can't get people on the plane and it all looks a bit of a, a bit of a shambles so uh you know I, I do hope that we will step up in that regard yeah and harry among the sort of younger age groups which i'll put you in compared to me and jim certainly <laughs> um what was the feeling about about yeah the kind of the prospects for for football in a guernsey shirt this season yeah, I mean, obviously it's very early to say, and I think yeah, a lot of it does rest on on the preparation, what we can do to to lead up to Maratis, because I think for a few years it's been it's been tough getting real preparation. I don't think there's any you know anyone in particular to blame for that. I just think it's hard with a combination of clubs wanting to have their players for a certain amount of time, obviously the GFA wanting to have players to be able to warm them up, but they don't get the opportunity because players playing so much football, so it's really hard to link it all. So yeah, I think there's probably there probably just definitely there definitely needs to be a bit more collaboration. I think in terms of you know, trying to get more preparation to get the lads in the younger age groups playing together more and trying to get them uh, more games as a group and lead up to these sort of Marathis. But there's definitely talent there. You know, I think there's, you know, from from what I can remember, there's more, I'd say there's more young players now playing in the Prio than, you know, when I was 16, 17. There's so many that seem to be coming through and getting so much regular game time for all these clubs, which can only be a good thing for, you know, things like the under-18 Marathi, uh, under-21 Marathi. And there's still a lot of talented players in those age groups you know the likes of Brandon Wallace Keen Domar should still be featuring in the 21s of Marathi Owen Woolwich people like that so the talent's definitely there I just think yeah it's, it's always gonna be hard to close the gap because Jersey have a very strong structure over there obviously they have more people so it always makes it tough um yeah it's, it's, I think it's very hard to give a real stonewall prediction of how it's gonna be you know, all set up by when time March April May comes but yeah, I think there definitely needs to be a bit more preparation if possible and be interesting to see how that all comes together. Yeah, and we've got that incredible prospect, haven't we, as well, uh, of uh, two uh, top flight footballers in Mayor Letissier and Alex Scott this season, which will uh, no doubt be uh, kind of firing the imagination and uh, motivating everyone in local football, watching them do their thing. So uh, yeah, it is a really exciting season. Um, as I say, we'll be here every week from Monday the 4th of September, every Monday with a, a football podcast for you. And of course, make sure you're picking up a paper six days a week for comprehensive uh, coverage alongside that thanks very much guys um yeah we'll see you soon cheers Cheers, tony Tony.